0: Christmas is a time of celebration, but it's not a time of ignoring what is hard and painful in our lives and in the world around us. It's not about the kind of celebrating you do when everything is going your way and nothing is weighing down your heart. Sometimes we get to celebrate like that, but that's not the kind of celebrating that Christmas is about. Christmas is about the kind of celebrating you do when your heart is heavy and the world is dark, but you can see the first light of dawn approaching on the horizon, and you know that with the sunrise comes the promise of all things being made new. See, Christmas doesn't mean that all of our troubles go away. You don't get well just because it's Christmas. Your family doesn't necessarily get over all their squabbles just because it's Christmas. Your bank account certainly doesn't get bigger usually because it's Christmas. We still have hardships, trials, troubles, but those shouldn't keep us from celebrating at Christmas because of the kind of celebrating Christmas brings about. As we look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, I want us to pay attention, first of all, to the context of the first Christmas, because the context of the first Christmas is going to help us understand the kind of celebrating that happens as a result of Christmas. In so the context of Christmas is that we know these words, but it's hard for us to put ourselves in Mary and Joseph's shoes and the shepherd's shoes and all those who were living in those days. It tells us in Luke 1 that... There was a decree that went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, right? And everybody had to go to their hometown. So Rome, right, which is in charge of most of the world at that time, the leader, the Caesar of Rome, says, you know what, I want to count everybody. I want to be able to tax everybody. So everybody stop what you're doing pack up your things, and go to wherever you're from so I make sure I can get a good head count. So at the first Christmas, there was a disruptive government decree. The the Jews, Mary and Joseph, they weren't even Roman. But the Romans were occupying Israel. They were in charge there. They were a, a foreign government telling the Jews and the rest of the world what to do. And Caesar didn't care if you were pregnant, like Mary was. You still had to leave. You still had to move. You still had to go. And so when they left and traveled to Joseph's hometown, which was Bethlehem, the city of David, because he was of the house and lineage of David, Luke tells us. Uh, when they went, it says that uh, in verse 7, that uh, there was no place for them in the end. Not only did they have to leave where they were from and where they were comfortable, and they had to go back to Bethlehem, to David's hometown, at a time when Mary is pregnant and probably didn't want to be traveling, didn't want to be away from her home. When they got there, there was not sufficient room for them. And yet the time came for her to give birth. How would you like that? right? Don't get to be home when you're first born child comes to be delivered and there's so little room for them that they have to place the baby Jesus in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. So Mary and Joseph were not celebrating at Christmas because everything was going their way and everything was great. It wasn't. Their country was not as free as they wanted it to be. They didn't get to even decide which town they would be in. They had to do what the Caesar said. They had to go where there wasn't really a place for them. They had to deliver their first child in a place where they weren't comfortable and didn't have enough room and didn't even have a place to place Jesus. And yet all of that happened perfectly in accordance with God's plan. Because the decree caused Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem, which is where David was from. And that's what the prophet Micah said would happen all the way back in Micah 5.2, that the Savior, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, Micah said, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days." Do we like to make the Christmas story look beautiful because it's a moment worth celebrating. But if we sanitize the Christmas story, we lose not only part of the story, we lose part of the message, the meaning of Christmas. God came into the world, yes, but He came into a world that is broken, a world that is dark, a world where there is injustice and oppression, a world where those with power do not always care about how their decisions and desires affect normal people like Joseph and Mary and you and me. But part of why the good news of Christmas is so good is because the world is broken. and because life is painful and hard and we need some good news. Badly. So what happened in the context of that first Christmas was this good news was brought to a group of shepherds. Verse 8 says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So some guys working the night shift that first Christmas get the announcement of... Good news. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. They were terrified by the arrival of this angel and the, the glory that was shining all around them. But the angel told them, verse 10, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. In other words, I bring you gospel. That's what the word gospel means. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So the angel announces this good news. You're scared, but I've brought you something wonderful. I come to tell you something that is going to bring joy to you. Can there be joy in the midst of occupation by Rome? Can there be joy in the midst of upheaval because of Caesar's decree? Yes. Even in the midst of those things, this news brings joy. Joy, And this news is not just for some people, it's for all the people. Uh, There it probably means that it's for all the people of Israel. Not just for the important people like King Herod who thought he was really important. It was for all the people. Even the shepherds who were up working all night taking care of their flocks. People that most people, people like Herod certainly, weren't thinking about. Those are the people God was thinking about. Those are the people God sent his angel to announce the good news to. But it's not just for all the people of Israel, it's for all the peoples, plural. Later when Joseph and Mary take Jesus to the temple and Simeon, the old man Simeon is there and he's uh, come to the temple in the spirit he says my eyes, he's praying to the Lord he says my eyes have seen your salvation. He's talking about Jesus, this is the, the Savior. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to the nations, and for glory to your people Israel. In other words, he's come to save Jews and Gentiles, people of all kinds in all places, of all tribes and tongues. The good news is the birth of this son. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Why is he called A savior. Why is it good news that a child is born? Because ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God told them the first gospel promise there in Genesis 3 there would be a child born who would crush the head of the serpent. Satan who tempted Eve, who helped bring sin into the world in the beginning, who deceived her and caused her to doubt God's Word, who led her astray. And of course, she listened. She was culpable too. But our enemy, the serpent and Satan, a child will be born one day who would deal a mortal blow to that snake, who would crush and bruise his head. And the angel is saying, That child has now been born. He's a Savior, a Deliverer. Come to rescue us from our sin, and come to rescue us from our enemies, come to rescue us from Satan, come to rescue us from death, come to rescue us from hell, come to give us life and fellowship with God once again. He is the Savior, and He is Christ. That is the Messiah, the Anointed One. In other words, He didn't decide... For himself, I'm going to be the Savior. I'm going to be the special one. No, God had given and set apart his own son. Had anointed him, chosen him to be the one because he was the only one as God and man who could save men and reconcile us to God. He's the Savior, he's the Christ, and he's the Lord, the angel said. I don't know what to do with that other than to say the angel is clearly indicating that this child is divine. Lord is what they call God. He is God in the flesh. He is God become man. This great news leads to rejoicing. And glory. Verse 13 says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Again, this is not celebrating for the sake of forgetting or ignoring our troubles. This is celebrating that deliverance from our troubles has come. Deliverance from the weight of our sin even now through his death and resurrection and deliverance not only from sin but deliverance even from death when he comes again because of what he accomplished. Now, how are we supposed to respond to this good news? How how are we, if we're burdened by trials and troubles and we're not celebrating as people who have everything going their way where everything is easy, then how do we respond to Christmas? Well, there's, there's not one right response. Uh, sometimes we can get the impression from, uh, you know, advertisements and even from some Christmas songs and things that if we're really responding rightly to Christmas, we're, we're going to be smiling, all the time, and everything's great, and everybody gets along, or we pretend like we do, and everything is. That's not how we are called to respond to Christmas. So, how are we called to respond? Well, there are some wrong ways to respond, right? King Herod has a wrong response. He hears that the child who has been born who's supposed to be king. Herod doesn't want this child to be king. Herod likes being king himself, and so he sends a squad of men to Bethlehem to try to wipe out all the babies there in the hopes that he will crush this king while he's still a child. It was vain attempt, of course. Jesus was delivered, but we certainly don't want to respond like Herod. But there are a lot of right ways to respond, and they're not all the same. And hopefully... At least one of the responses we see in the Bible will be one that you feel like you can fit in. One of the ways that you can respond. The first response we see is the response of the shepherds who say to to one another in verse 15, it says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us the shepherds response in other words was to go and see for themselves when they heard this story they went to go check it out go see if what god said maybe we can get a glimpse of it maybe we can see this child they didn't they weren't content just to hear about it they wanted to learn they wanted to see it. they wanted to experience it but maybe maybe the the whole Jesus' part of Christmas is kind of new to you. I, mean, I always celebrated Christmas, but no one's ever really explained the story to me before. Can I just encourage you to go and see for yourself? Check it out for yourself. There are really only two places in the Bible that tell the story of Christmas. Matthew, Gospel of Matthew chapter 1 and 2, Luke chapter 1 and 2. There's just four chapters. Read those chapters and ask God to help you understand why is this such a big deal? Why are people still celebrating this? What does this mean? Go and check it out for yourself. Or maybe you're just getting old enough to kind of begin to investigate some of these things yourself. Well, I've always been told Christmas is about Jesus, but now I'm old enough to ask questions and think through things, and I, there are parts of the story I don't understand or I haven't paid as much attention to. Maybe your Christmas response is to dig into Christmas a little bit more. To read the scriptures a little bit more, to pray a little bit more, to ask God to help you understand a little bit more what it is that happened that first Christmas and how that ought to affect your life. The second response is of a group of people who we don't even know for sure who they are. They're not named. Verse 16 says that the shepherds went with haste and found Mary and Joseph, and they found the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, verse 17, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And then verse 18, and all who heard it—who is that? Don't even know. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Was it David's family or um, Joseph's family who was around them? Probably. Uh, Had Mary brought some friends with her? Perhaps. Was it just the neighbors? Who heard a baby had been born and came to congratulate Mary and Joseph? Who knows? But whoever they were, when they heard what the angels had told the shepherds, and the shepherds came to tell Mary and Joseph, they were full of wonder. They were just amazed. That's a healthy response to Christmas too. You don't have to be able to explain it all to anybody. You don't have to be able to explain how God became man. And how, it's It's a mystery. But to just sit back and be in awe, to be amazed, that's enough. That's a response that honors the Lord as well. Perhaps the most famous response here is Mary's. Mary, it says in verse 19, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary's listening to what the shepherds are saying. She's listening to how people are responding. And listen, Mary Mary's not jumping up and down celebrating the first Christmas. She just had a baby. She's probably exhausted. She didn't have the energy to sing and rejoice at this point. All right? Maybe that's you. Not because you had a baby, but just because it's been a hard year. So, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm coming into Christmas on fumes. I'm just making it. I, I, don't, I don't have it in me. To, I got, you know, hard job or, you know, I'm just worn out from this or that or the other, you know. That's fine. That's fine. You don't have to be jumping up and down at Christmas. You can just ponder. Just think. You just get maybe two minutes of peace where your brain's still working and you don't fall asleep yet. Just think about what God has done. Treasure it up. Soak it in for another day when you have more time to respond to what you're hearing. Right now, maybe you're just taking it in. That's okay, too. That's all Mary could do. And then finally, verse 20 says The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They were excited. Right? They, they apparently used to be up at night and they just had a dramatic encounter with an angel and they got to see a child be born. I mean, they're, they're on cloud nine. They're rejoicing. They're glorifying God. That's wonderful too. Just know it's not the only right way to respond. Sometimes we get in our heads a particular way that things have to go. Christmas has to be like this. Right? Church has to be like this. I, I need to My quiet time needs to be like this. But there's no one way that it has to be. What all these people have in common in this story that are responding rightly to Christmas is just that they're listening and responding. They're they're leaning in to what God has done, but they're responding different ways. And that's okay. You have to respond. I mean, you can't not respond. Even... Trying not to respond is a response. Even if you walk away unmoved and indifferent, that is a response. I mean, can you imagine one of the shepherds in this story just kind of shrugging his shoulders and being like, eh, that's not for me. It's not my baby. I don't, I don't know why you told me about that. it got nothing to do with me. Luke disagrees.
1: It has everything
0: to do with you. It has everything to do with every one of us. Because this child was born into this family, not just for that one family, but for the world. For every family. In fact, God told Abraham back in the Old Testament, He said, I'm going I'm to bless all the families of the earth through you. And the way that He did that was through Abraham's family. Sending his son, Jesus, into the world so that through Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection, that all the, <laughs> all the families of the earth <clears throat> would be blessed. That's what Christmas is about. That's what Christmas is for. I pray that you do respond with hope, with joy, with gladness, whatever that might look like in the season of life that you're in giving thanks to God for His mercy and grace. Let's pray.